world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe well good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh that is my guest tonight nathan waltz this is the red pill project's conversations on the fringe this is where we talk about those things that uh, aren't part of normal conversation that people don't usually talk about with friends or family or acquaintances or people at the bar, but instead talk about in private with people that they care about. And, you know, we, we go deep on those different types of conversations, everything from the fringy ones of UFOs, aliens and conspiracies and ancient civilizations. And then we jump into the other side of the house of the mysteries of our health and what we've been lied to about how our health is uh, not ideal or optimized the way it should be, the way a normal human being should be, because of all the, the I would say, attacks that ever happened on humanity through the, the aggression of these globalists in this world, uh, the poisoning through electromagnetic radiation, through our food, our soil, our water, our air, and it just goes on and on. And I was fortunate enough a few years ago to meet this gentleman right here, and uh, we had some very, very long and deep conversations about a lot of these topics, including mental health, including mindset, as well as biohacking and how to get your body completely optimized and your mind and your body and your spirit optimized. So he's no stranger to this show. Nathan, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, Josh. Great to be back. And it's great to see you, man. You as well. You as well. Got the red light going, I can see. Yeah. 
You know me in the red light. <laughs> Absolutely, man. For those that don't know, he's he's got the red light on, which is the the short wavelength, which uh, does not affect your uh, chromatic cells in your body to wake you up and produce those daytime hormones that usually would keep you up at night, kind of like similar to your tablet, your phone, your television actually do. Am I, did I get that right? Well, we, red red is actually a longer wavelength. Mm. So the, the shorter wavelengths are, are like blue light. Mm -hmm. And so I've got the red light on just to help mitigate the blue light. It's 930 where I live. So normally I'm, I'm getting ready for bed. Usually I'm in bed ready to sleep by 10. So, uh, you know, I've got these orange glasses on. The reason is, is to keep that short wave uh, blue light out of my eyes because that's going to tell my body it's daytime and it's right. going to turn off my melatonin, which will impact my sleep. Man, you know. I, I tend to like jump from topic to topic in my life and research things heavily and, and health was one of them. And I got uh, to the point where I was feeling good and looking great. And then you don't, you let that stuff go and you focus on other topics and they bring you down. And we were just talking about this before the show that, you know, for a lot of us, the, the last uh, few years, the last few months and the, the anxiety moving up until the November primary elections, um, has really taken its toll on people psychologically, mentally, spiritually, physically. Um, and, and I think it's a good way to start this conversation off is, is really talk about uh, kind of this, 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 I, I call it jello that we're all moving through. It feels like at some points and days you wake up and you're just moving through this jello. You're unmotivated. You don't want to do anything. And it's like the weight of the world is shitty, sitting on your shoulders and shitting on your shoulders as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it's very heavy. And the thing that kind of keeps me up at night, I, I sleep w very well for the most part. I'm using this more as an expression, but it's the world my son is going to inherit. My my son is six. I know you have young children too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've lived a great life. I've done a lot of great things. And for most of my life, the earth was a pretty peaceful place to live. And in these past couple of years, it's everything's just been flipped over and everybody's dealing with things we never imagined we would be dealing with. And some of us are more aware of it than others, but even those that aren't aware of it, they're dealing with the shit too on some level. It's different than the level people than people that have done their research are on. But nonetheless, we're all dealing with a lot and it's not easy. It's, it's challenging. It, it absolutely is. And, and, and I mean, I'm a prime example. I, I talked about this in one of our uh, after dark Q and A's kind of like a private zoom session we do every Tuesday night is that, you know, <clears throat> you go through this life and you kind of like have it easy. You, you grow up in America, you pretty much have it easy for your life unless you're growing up in a very, very bad district in a, uh, a poor neighborhood and there's gang violence and these drugs and all these types of things. But for the most part, most people in the United States of America grew up a pretty good life or at least a decent life compared to other people in the world. And then when we're faced with this adversity, this, this, uh, um, this criminality of our political system, the overtaking of our social, cultural, our political structures, uh, the hijacking of, of our rights, our freedoms. And when we look at this and these are all at risk for the future, and you do have little kids and, you know, you don't want them to grow up in that totalitarian world that you're once warned about and you fought about that you fought for and your forefathers fought for, um, you know, it, it puts a certain pressure on. And when I do this podcast, 
I mean, I, I get numerous amounts of messages a day from the social red pill to emails to, uh, uh, you know, people on Telegram or wherever it might be from all the shows that I do. And people express their concerns and people tell me about the things that are happening in their life and, you know, what they're afraid of and their fears. And um, no offense to anybody out there, but I mean, this this does compound on people, especially when you're you're privy to what is happening in the world. But you see it all unfolding. Like, I don't say this stuff on my daily show because I think it's good for ratings. I say it because this is what I believe is truly happening and unraveling in the world. And that's a hard pill to swallow. The truth is not easy. And it does lay a massive burden on your shoulders and brings about a high level of stress to your life when you know these things and you have to just continue to act normal. You have to continue to be that that good old American and human being and go out there and play in society and pay your bills and, you know, and just act like nothing's wrong. And that's the problem is that there is something wrong in this country. There is something wrong in this world and everybody knows it and everybody's just acting as if nothing is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with, with everything you said. And to add to that, it, our children are are aware of it too. You know, in the conversations I've had with my son, he talks about stuff that I never even thought about until I was in my teens. And for example, that there's a, a neighbor kind of like it's a short distance through the woods, but it's, they're like a hundred yards from us. And one day he comes home, he's in the, the kids, the neighbor, neighbor's kids are four and six. One day he comes home, he's like, I, I don't want to give out the kids' names, but he, he's yeah. like, the older brother, he likes Trump. And the younger brother, he likes Joe Biden. I'm like, well, how do you know that? And he's like, we were talking about it. And oh. he's like, and the, and the dad, he likes Trump, but the mom hates Trump and she likes Joe Biden. And... um this is a conversation when I was six, I didn't even know who the president was. Right. Right. Politics were just the furthest thing from my mind. And then tonight at dinner, it was, it was another very serious conversation. We just started homeschooling him right. this year. And he, he brought up, we've, we've had some challenges with some of the places where we, we take him so we can hang out with other kids just mm -hmm. due to the um, num numerous laws in New York state. And he brought up the question. He said, well, what if they make it illegal to homeschool? Will you send me to regular school? And we said, no, we, we won't do that. And he said, why? And we said, well, we really don't agree with a lot of the things being pushed in schools these days and the other thing is we have chosen not to vaccinate our son right and in, in new york it's very challenging to go to school if you're not vaccinated especially and now with the addition of the covid vaccine which is uh just outrageous but we're trying to have this conversation with a six-year-old about teachers who are trying to influence kids to change their their genders or oh talking about critical critical race theory and it's it's just not a very pleasant dinner conversation i you know i know and i mean i got a nine-year-old and a ten-year-old <clears throat> and i don't know what happens in their classrooms i do know that their school has dei implementation diversity equity and inclusion implementation 
Um, they don't have any trans strippers and, and cross-dressers coming in, which is good. Um, and they seem to be against that for the most part. But I always ask my kids when I pick them up is what happened in school today? What's going on in school today? Um, and, and I'm very uh, forward in the sense of that communication. Because, I, I, for instance, our neighbor girl, she's like the, her, her grandkid. Um, very nice girl. Nothing wrong with her. But she goes to a private school, kind of like a private gifted school. And she came out to my daughter one day, who's nine, and she's nine, that she is non-binary and a lesbian. And this is a nine-year-old. Yeah. And why is a nine-year-old even thinking about these things or having this conversation with with another person? And then she goes on to tell my daughter that she likes her and wants to date her. and, And my daughter's like, dude. No, <laughs> like, like they're not friends anymore because of this. My daughter's like, eh, she's gone. Goodbye. She's because yeah. she's weird. Like she like girls need to like men. That's just the way my daughter thinks. And thankfully, I've, I've raised her in a certain way to where she understands that she can think for herself on those things. But she's following the, like the natural process. And my, my son's the same way. I mean, he, he looks at it and he's just like, yeah. it's weird. There's kids in my class that do it, but, uh, it's weird. So at least that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my son, when he was four or five, he came one home one day and he was saying, you know, this one boy says he's a girl, but I know he's a boy. Mm -hmm. We're like, how do you know he's a boy? He said, well, I saw him peeing one time. He had a penis. (laughs) And, um, so we had to, had to have that conversation. But yeah, I mean, you know, lots of conversations when you and I were children, they never came up. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a lot to navigate. Thought about. Yeah. Like yeah I, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't even thought about. I mean, like occasionally on Hollywood, occasionally you would see like a cross-dresser or, you know, something of that nature. And you'd be like, weird, but okay, right? Like some people are weird in the world, but... Now it's rampant everywhere. Yeah. So where do we go from here, man? Well, you know, it's society itself, I think, has a problem, a disease. And I think it's a disease of multiple decades of psychological warfare being perpetuated on them. I think it's the disease of, of media manipulation. I think there's also a biochemical aspect to this with the poisoning of the food, the air, the water, the soil, Um, you know, hormone imbalances within the food you eat, you know, all that other stuff. Um, And I think that massive decades of that abuse to humanity has caused this mass psychosis that we're seeing today to where people really just have this apathy towards you know, culture and society and what's happening. They don't care. They just want an easy life. They just want to be paid by the government to sit home and, and get fat and watch television and surf TikTok. And they don't care about doing anything. And if they get angry, they want to hit you with violence because that's the primal urges that come up with people who have basically deviated from that higher mind to that lower mind. Yeah, it's um, the, the, the culture is, has definitely become extremely toxic where a lot of the traditional values are, are frowned upon. You know, I was on Twitter today and I saw saw a video of a guy. He's a, a builder, it's like your, your brother Jay, and 
he's sitting in a house or it's just the frame of a house. He's like, this is like the third or fourth day. None of my guys, it's just the have shown up. Huh. He's like, it doesn't matter if I pay him $15 an hour, $20 an hour, $40 an hour. They might show up for a day or two and then they just disappear. And I'm reading the comments below this. And there's all these other people in, in trade industries saying, you know, I, I've spent my whole life building up my business. I can't find workers either. I'm, I'm at risk of losing my business. And there's this, this culture of it's okay not to work. It's okay not to do, do anything. So, and, dude, spot on. So my wife took this new job in Minnesota. Right. And she works with a lot of the younger generation. And there are a lot of wealthy kids that work there as their first or their second job before, you know, in high school or going out to uh, um, college. And she has the same exact problem. 17 kids. I mean, she's got like 23 in her staff. 17 of these kids all put in for the same Thanksgiving vacation. And she can't deny them because they just won't show up. They, they, they don't care if they get fired. They don't care if they show up. They don't show up to work half the time. Um, they, they don't do work when they're there. They just have no recollection of how the world and society actually operates. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this, you know, I think this is a good segue into what we were originally going to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to bring everyone down too much. But kind of like we were sh discussing before the show, a lot of people are, are feeling this. Yeah, I, I have conversations with, with a lot of people I know, and and it, it's it's definitely heavy. But one of the guys I, I listen to, he always he always says this thing, and it really resonates with me. Personal development is the ultimate rebellion, mm. because everything that's happening today, it's it's really to make people weak. They're glamorizing obese fashion models. They glamorize, you know, young kids that change genders, you know, all, all things that don't leave to a, a positive place. Right. So the, the more of us that can raise our own level, raise our own bar and become our, our very best, the better off the world's going to be. I mean, that's from where I'm sitting. That's that's the best way out of it is for everyone to really focus on their own personal responsibility of being the very best they can be. And from my perspective, a lot of that starts with health. And today health is, is one of the biggest challenges in society, both, you know, our physical health, our energy levels, our, our mental health. What are we focused on? Are we focused on something positive or focused on something negative? Our spiritual health. What are our beliefs and values? And there's there's a big spiritual deficit in this country. We're just talking about people's values right now or, or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And it all needs a, a major shift. It, it, it does. And so the, the question is for you then is where do we begin? Because I think maybe that's probably part of the problem is that we are reactionary creatures. And I talk about this in the sense of information, that everything that is in our environment is information that is coming to us. 
And we have various different receptors within our body that picks up this information, whether it's, well, primarily it's light, right? And light is information. And then our senses take that information and it processes it and tells us, hey, this is what I think is out there. Well, we are being overwhelmed with this, this external information that's coming towards us at all times, whether it's cell phones or computers or televisions, or it's just a fast pacedness of society or whatever it is. And I think that when people start to think about taking a break, slowing down, meditating, you know, uh, fasting or these other things, it becomes overwhelming to take that step because you are so addicted to this fast paced world. Yeah. So the question is, is where do we start? Where, where do we start? Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, the simplest place, place to start is to give yourself permission to slow down. Mm. So let's, let, let's talk a, about a couple things. So the, the, the health I teach, it, it's really quantum health. So, so let me just kind of narrowly define quantum health. Yeah. And then we'll kind of jump into that. But we, we've got the old paradigm of, of medicine, which is really focused on biochemistry. It's focused on, on molecules. Where with quantum health, it's really focused at the quantum level. So looking at electrons, protons, photons, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of talked about this before. You didn't come out and say the word, but what you are talking about is epigenetics. Right. So the current paradigm, it's fo focused on genetics, your DNA. So your, your body, actually, you have three different genomes. You've got your DNA, which has about 23,000, 25,000 genes, somewhere around that. You've got your mitochondrial DNA, which has, I believe, 37 genes. And then you also have your microbiome DNA, mm. which has, it's debatable. You know, some scientists say there's hundreds of thousands. Some say there's several millions. But let's just say that's your, your biggest diversity of genes is in your microbiome. And your, your DNA, those genes don't change throughout life. Your mitochondrial DNA, those don't change. And you get you, you get your DNA, you, the, your genes in your DNA from mom and dad. You get your mitochondrial DNA exclusively from your mom. Mm -hmm. But the genes in your microbiome, they are changing throughout your life. You have the biggest influence on those. And when you do the right things, you actually turn on genes. This is epigenetics. Epigenetics is your environment influences your genes. Hmm. So the current paradigm is, oh, if you have these genes for cancer, you're going to get cancer. There's like the, the BRCA gene, which what's her face? Um, who's the actress that was married to um, um, Brad Pitt? Angelita Jolie. She had her breast removed because right. she has this gene and she influenced a lot of other women to do that. But a lot of women with that gene have lived their whole life and never gotten breast cancer because the environment influences the genes. Right. Right. So you have the best opportunity to influence your genes through the your microbiome. So when you do the right things, when you have a good, healthy gut, you actually activate genes that promote longevity. 
when you eat junk food your whole life and you have an unhealthy gut, you activate genes that promote cancer and, and other things. So back to the kind of the, the paradigm, the, the current paradigm and, and the quantum health paradigm. Another part of that is the current paradigm doesn't really believe that light influences our health. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to talk about it a little bit, that blue light at night. That's, that's why I have these blue blockers on. Blue light at night, that affects your sleep. But it kind of starts and ends there. Whereas in the quantum health paradigm, light is the number one influence on your health hmm. in your life. So all that makes sense so far? It, it, it does. Now, <clears throat> you know, it, it's interesting that you're talking about this. So did you see that the, the Nobel Prize in physics was just awarded to, uh, to three quantum physicists uh, about two weeks ago? I did. And the, uh, the reasoning is because of a, what, what they call quantum entanglement. But it wasn't necessarily the quantum entanglement experiment that they did. It's what they discovered and proved through the experiment. And what they proved was that there is no local universe, that the universe doesn't actually exist until it's measured. And so this was something that was proposed in the Heisenberg uncertainty principle within the double slit experiment um, and kind of has been on the fringes. Uh, what the belief that we know kind of hinted on it a little bit, but it really had never been proven. And they just proved it 100% without a, a reason of a doubt that our universe does not exist until it's measured. In other words, measured is observed. And so it's true that our environment interacts with us on that quantum level as well. But on that quantum level as well is that our thoughts have a massive impact on the environment and on ourselves as well. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to the start of this part of the conversation. Yeah. When when we work on our own self-development, we're improving the quality of our thoughts. Mm. When we improve the quality of our thoughts, we improve our entire environment, right? And the people around, around us. Absolutely. And, and you know, maybe that's, uh, that's one of the things is that people need to start transitioning their minds towards what Gandhi used to think be the change that you want to see in the world and start, you know, looking up and looking at brighter days ahead of us and stop thinking of, of doom and gloom every day and stuff. Well, don't stop listening to me, but you know, maybe I'll transition that as well is that we, we start looking towards good, happy things that in, in the future that the, the evil in the world is already defeated or, or just a different perspective towards our own lives that life does go on and things will get better, that things will be good. Yeah, that's, it's a good point, and I, I think the key is really striking the right balance, mm-hmm. right? You want to stay informed. You don't want to just bury your head in the sand and say kumbayas and say everything's going to be hunky-dory if I just think positive thoughts because that's not going to work either. But it's finding that balance of, of being informed but also spending a lot of time of envisioning and visualizing that ideal future mm-hmm. that we want. And I don't have all the answers to this. It's it's something I think about a lot. But um, I know this is really in your in your wheelhouse as well. But um, there's there's a lot of value in that, and there's quite a bit of research backing that up. Uh, if you look at the work of Joe Dispenza, yep, and people before him, 
showing when you have mass meditations, you have lower crime rates. You have less sickness. Yep, meditation is a big one. And, uh, you know, I was just reading a study on meditation the other day uh, that people who meditate for 5 to 15 minutes a day have lower cholesterol, have lower blood pressure. Um, their body has a better aspect or better times of detoxification. They're healthier overall. They live longer lives. And that's just 15 minutes of meditation a day. Now, the question then is what is happening during meditation? What, what is going on within the mind, the body during meditation? What are your thoughts? So I, I'll say probably the, the number one thing that is causing those improvements is you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. See, so you've got your autonomic nervous system. There's two sides to it. There's sympathetic, which is fight or flight. And most people today spend 90, 95% of their lives in fight or flight, maybe even more than that. And when your body's in fight or flight, your immune system doesn't work. The only thing the body is thinking about is living to see another day. When you meditate, you, you put yourself in parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. That's when the body can heal. When you're in parasympathetic, you have more blood flow to your frontal lobes. You can think better. You have more creativity. When you're in fight or flight, it goes to your, your, your limbic system, the oldest part of your brain that really just controls impulse and, and instinct and your, your, your will to stay alive. That's interesting. It reminds me of Joe Dispenza and what he talked about with the analogy of the deer, that uh, you have a, a, a deer, a coyote, or some you know, lesser predator that's in the woods, and they're just walking along, grazing, 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 and then all of a sudden a predator starts chasing them. They're, they, they, they kick in, their adrenaline goes, they start running, and then uh, when they get away, and that predator is no longer a threat, they go back to just grazing and just being happy-go-lucky. That's just a natural process. But human beings are the only ones on this planet that sustain that fight-or-flight mechanism through the action of thought. That we make ourselves crazy. We put ourselves in that state of fear and panic continuously, day in and day out, primarily because of the influences of our environment, but also secondarily <clears throat> because most people fail to take responsibility, I think, for their own thoughts, their actions, and their own mind. Yeah, yeah. No, no, nobody's intentional about their thoughts. But it, again, it comes back to our environment, right? We've got all these different inputs that are making us stressed out, that are putting us in fight or flight. Our phone, right? Mm -hmm. Going on any kind of social media. We're just we're bombarded with negativity anytime we're looking at any form of, of media you go outside connect with nature you look up in the sky at least where i live more than 50 percent of the time i see all these chemtrails in the sky you have a conversation with people people are freaked out about this and that caffeine the the most popular drug in the world that's given to our kids mm -hmm. caffeine puts you in in fight or flight one of the best biohacks I've done this year is I, I quit caffeine back in March after reading the book Caffeine Blues. Hmm. I'm write that one down. And it actually, it actually takes if if you've been drinking coffee for a while, 
it actually takes two weeks of no caffeine to get it fully out of your system hmm. and, it, and to stop the effects of caffeine. Now, what are the effects? So, so I'm one of those people. Um, I don't eat a lot of sugar. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm overweight, but I don't eat a lot of sugar. Um, and I'm just, I'm just lethar- not lethargic, but I'm, I'm not as active as I should be. Right. But I drink coffee two, three times a day. Usually by three or four o'clock, I'm kind of sleepy and tired and, and want to nap. I usually don't get it, but I do want one. Now, what are the effects of caffeine that is actually having on the body from users that we don't even notice is actually caffeine? Well, number one, it puts your body in, in fight or flight. So, so if you're not used to caffeine, you drink it, you'll probably feel anxious. And you'll, if you're aware of like fight or flight versus rest and digest, you'll know, okay, I'm, I'm in a sympathetic response right now. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, we've consumed caffeine for so long. We're not even aware of that. Caffeine also blocks your cells have all these receptors. One of the receptors on the cell is the adenosine receptor. Mm-hmm. So as you go throughout your day, your mitochondria make energy. They make ATP. That ATP, once it's used, it gets converted to, to adenosine. So as you're going through ATP throughout the day, you're building up your kind of bank of adenosine. When you drink caffeine, it blocks adenosine from attaching to those receptors Hmm. even though your body wants to go to sleep you're tricking it you're not really giving it energy you're just kind of short-circuiting that effect that adenosine does to make you fall asleep so you're reducing the amount of sleep that your body naturally wants to have when you do sleep you're not getting the same quality of sleep that you would if you didn't have any caffeine in your body, hmm. it affects your heart. <clears throat> it affects your brain. Any Anything you're dealing with, it intensifies. If you have mild depression, you drink caffeine, that's going to increase the depression you have. If you have anxiety, it's going to increase anxiety. If you have heart disease, it's going to increase heart disease. If you have fibromyalgia, it's going to increase the, the pain levels that you're dealing with. So any any chronic disease that somebody is dealing with, caffeine is going to make it worse. Wow. There's the the read the book Caffeine Blues. It was probably it was written like 20 years ago, but he goes into into all the science of how caffeine affects us. Yeah, there was um a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast. Um I should know his name. But he's a big, uh, he's like a, he's a doctor, medical doctor, but he's also kind of like a, a psychonaut. He does a lot of like drugs and test them out and stuff. But he said he did the, uh, the caffeine challenge, <clears throat> excuse me. And he quit caffeine for three months and he said it was one of the hardest things that he's ever done in his life. And that like he would be convincing himself that he can just have a sip of coffee or or he could just have one cup on Saturday or, you know, in, in his body and mind, we're just trying to trick him into drinking the caffeine continuously. But it, it's interesting. I, I wonder if this is a primary cause or a leading factor into like adrenal fatigue. Well, so adrenal fatigue, that, that's a circadian disruption. See, with, with the, the way you know you have adrenal fatigue is because your, your cortisol slope is all messed up. Mm. So, so you, when you're healthy, 
you get a spike of cortisol in the morning and then kind of throughout the day it's decreasing right when that's disrupted you don't get that spike in the morning so it's really hard to wake up and get out of bed gotcha and you're kind of you're going throughout your day you're, you're dragging and then all of a sudden at night so you're tired all day and I, i've had i had stage three adrenal fatigue twice so you're going throughout your day you're struggling you're struggling you're tired all i can think about is i can't wait to go home and sleep tonight you get home all of a sudden you get wired you get that cortisol spike at night and there's different stages in the beginning you kind of your cortisol is riding a little higher so you're kind of it's you almost feel more energetic but it's just because you, your your cortisol is is out of whack you have more cortisol in the beginning going than you should so for a lot of people, it feels kind of good. It might feel kind of edgy. But then you get to a point where there's this thing called pregnenolone steel syndrome. Do you know what that is? No, what's that? So cortisol gets diverted to making a lot of different steroids in, or steroid hormones in the body. But the body needs cortisol to survive. So cortisol gets made into pregnenolone. But when your body's constantly burning through cortisol, the body has to choose. Do I keep on making cortisol or do I divert some of that cortisol to pregnenolone? And pregnenolone, that goes to, I might miss some of these. It's been a little while since I've read up on it. But that goes into DHEA, which goes in to make estrogen, for women, progesterone, for mm -hmm. men, um, a little bit of estrogen, but then testosterone. And women too. The women have testosterone, just not as much as men. So when, when your body gets fatigued of that, you're making fewer of those hormones, of those sex steroid hormones. And for <laughs> men, shows up as, as low T. It's hard to put on right. muscle mass. You gain weight easily. You lack motivation. You can't get it up. You get a erectile dysfunction. Women need testosterone too. When women are low in testosterone, that affects their bone health. So they can have brittle bones, osteoporosis. They can have hair loss. But all these all these different things show up when you're constant when your body's making more cortisol than it's supposed to. Hmm. So and, this this shows up. Just real quick. Yeah, no, go ahead. This, this shows up a lot in, in people that work night shifts. And people that work night shifts, they have 30 to 40% higher higher risk of cancers. Wow. Because they're, you're chronically disrupting your circadian rhythm, which controls all the processes in your body. But today, a lot of people, even though they don't work the night shift, they're staying up late, watching TV, on Facebook, doing work not wearing your blue blocking glasses and that blue light from the TV, from your phone, from your computer goes in the eye. Your, your body thinks it's daytime. You stop producing melatonin. You, you need melatonin to get into a deep restorative sleep. Mm -hmm. your body's making more cortisol, which is making you more edgy and wired, which is also causing inflammation. Now, doesn't cortisol have an effect on insulin uptake as well? It probably does, but um, I'm I, I'm not really um, right. Been a while since I read up on it, so I, I can't. 
Talk about I, I know there is a cortisol factor in the sense of obesity, that obese people traditionally have higher cortisol levels and that there is this this factor there. Yeah, well, well, here's here's another link. So when you have chronic circadian disruption, chronic inflammation, that causes something called leptin resistance. Mm. So insulin resistance, that causes type 2 diabetes. That causes obesity, causes waking. But leptin resistance, leptin is your master hormone, right. controls all the other hormones. Tends to happen five to seven years, and it's it's a slow progression. It doesn't just happen overnight. Ten, but that tends to happen five to seven years before insulin resistance, mm. and it shows up in different ways for different people. The number one way is it shows up in weight gain. So the, a real easy way to know if you're leptin resistant is take your shirt off and look in the mirror, and if you got a lot of you know excess fat, hey. you're leptin resistant. It causes autoimmune diseases. So Leptin how, modulates immunity. So, so, <clears throat> so, what's the cure for that? How, how do you? How do you? You gotta, you gotta fix your circadian rhythm. You gotta reconnect with nature. Yeah. So, quantum health. Just if I can take the essence of it, mm -hmm. it's reconnecting with nature because the modern world disconnects us from nature. Hmm. Nature has natural cycles. The sun is down right now where we both live. We're meant to be either preparing for sleep or, or sleeping. When the sun rises, that's when most of us are supposed to, that's when we're supposed to get up. A lot of people don't get up till, till long after sunrise. We spend 90% of our time indoors under artificial light, which has a very narrow spectrum compared to the sun, which has a much broader spectrum. Hmm. Now, Going back to the even the caffeine thing or whatever it might be, what are your thoughts on brainwave states? Because this is one thing that I've noticed is that every species on this planet seems to be in this harmon harmonic relationship with nature, this symbiotic relationship with nature. And they tend to be in their optimized brainwave state, which is traditionally alpha, which we know comes from the, the resonance with the Schumann resonance between the ionosphere and the ground, uh, 7.85 hertz to 13 hertz, that most species on this planet exist within that level of brainwave, except for humans who exist in a kind of a dissonant pattern between 14 and, and 18 hertz wavelengths, which is kind of a, a beta dissonant pattern. Uh, what do you think causes that? people to be spending more time in beta and less in alpha mm -hmm. well because we're disconnected from the earth if you right. just if you go outside and ground meaning you take your shoes off and stand barefoot and, you know on the earth everybody knows they feel better at the beach yeah. they think it's because oh i'm not at work but there's other factors too because you're, you're connected to the earth and you're absorbing that Earth's frequency, which is putting you in those alpha waves where you feel more relaxed, you feel more creative, feel more in touch with yourself. But when we're on a computer, when we have a stressful job, when we're stuck in traffic, when every time we go up to fill up our car, it costs a little bit more money or we go grocery shopping, it costs a little bit more money. Money's tight for people, right? We've got all these different stress factors. That changes your brain waves. Mm -hmm. And that kind of keeps you you stuck in beta. Be beta has some good things. 
there's a time you do want to be in beta, but you don't want to be stuck there for a majority of the time. Right. Right. So grounding, meditation, reconnecting with nature. What is what are some other factors that we should take into consideration to help alleviate us away from this stressful world and this pending doom and gloom that we're seeing? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go I'll go back to the first thing I said. Give yourself permission, <clears throat> right. slow down, to, to disconnect, and get get intentional about being healthier. Start a morning routine. Practice more gratitude. For some people, you know, I'm not a big meditator. I, I really, I feel I, I should spend more time getting into meditation but it's just i've got other things i do that that work for me but i guess the point of that is 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 finding the things that resonate with you that you can make a permanent part of your life mm. it comes to, it comes down to lifestyle how you choose to live your life and most people are very unintentional about their lifestyle mm. kind of let outside influences dictate their life the first thing a lot of people do in the morning what's the first thing a lot of people do in the morning uh they pick up their phone check their phone right so maybe it's to check for emails for work or text messages for work or personal friends or check social media or look at the news and all of these things stress you out there's there's a ton of scientific research that says if, if you like check your phone first thing in the morning you're 30% less productive for the rest of your day. Wow. Damn. So if you got intentional and you say, okay, I'm, the first 30 minutes of the day are for me. And it's, that's a challenging for some people, especially if, if you have very young children, but you gotta, you gotta do the best. A lot of these things are, are simple, but not easy. Right. So to, to reconnect with nature, you're going to have to change a lot of the things you've been doing because you've been so conditioned by this this modern world but create a, a morning routine and come up with three or four things that you can do that's going to put you in a in an optimal state so you can have a great day so you can be the best for the people you love for your career and for yourself for me what that looks like it changes throughout the week but gratitude is kind of my, my one non-negotiable mm -hmm. and the key with gratitude is is to really feel what you're what you're grateful for and be very specific so you can't just say i'm grateful to be alive maybe the first time you say that it'll feel good but the the brain gets bored very quickly so you've got to be very specific the first thing i'm grateful for it's always something specific about my son and for gratitude it can be something really big like a family member or, or a pet or it can be something like you went for a walk and birds were chirping and it kind of reminded you to just chill a little bit. Right. Or it can be a, a phone call from a friend you haven't heard from. Whatever. Just something that that makes you feel good. And it's just taking those moments to really connect with that love, with that joy, with that peace, that sense of calm, whatever it is. I like that. And, and <clears throat> now... What time should people be waking up? Before sunrise, with the sunrise. Oh, fuck. I knew you were going to say 
I mean, it's it's easy this time of year. I mean, sunrise where I live, I think this morning was around like seven twenty seven, seven thirty ish. But in the summer where I live, it's like five fifteen. So that, that's a more challenging time for people to start. But there was I read a research paper a couple of weeks ago, and it was talking about um, very effective cure for depression. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it's resetting the circadian rhythm. Every kind of modern chronic issue today, well, one, it's it's due to mitochondrial dysfunction. Mm-hmm. The mitochondria, it's the powerhouse of the cell. That's how your body makes energy. You have the highest density of mitochondria in your brain and your heart. So poor mitochondrial function in the brain, that's neurodegeneration. Poor mitochondrial function in the heart, that's cardiovascular disease. But kind of kind of lost my my train of thought. Oh, um, no worries. Yeah. No. I mean, we're we're talking about waking up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's really just doing the things that are yeah. going to keep you in in that parasympathetic response and make you feel happy, make make you feel good. So for some people, that that could be journaling. It can be doing. A meditation. It could be going for a walk. For me, two days a week, I'm d- I'm doing sprints first thing in the morning, and then I then I do a cold bath. Oh, we oh, we, we were talking about when people should get up, right? So, so th- this time of year, I mean, the sunrise is getting later and later. So, if you can't wake up for the sunrise, it means you're staying up too late. Hmm. And th- there's this thing called chronotypes. There's the um, the morning larks, which are early birds, and the night owls, which are people like that like to stay up late. And I don't I don't agree with this thing that that people are, are one or the other because I was a night owl for 25, 30 years of my life. I used to hate morning birds, morning larks. Mm-hmm. I worked with this guy. He he was like an early riser. He was always so chipper in the office and. When we Monday mornings, we had this eight o'clock meeting, which mean I had to get up at six to make it on time for that meeting. And I was just always, always so tired. And this, this guy, he'd already been up for like two hours working out and, and doing all this stuff. And I could never understand it. And once I learned to make that shift, I totally got it. And I was really pissed at myself for living so much of my life, missing out on that. Hmm. Does it, I mean, waking up at the sunrise or waking and then getting two hours of, of meditation or walk or exercise in before the day even begins. Um, obviously there's going to be psychological and physical effects, but there, there has to be these other effects. And I know these people that you're talking about, my neighbor over here, um, we were out, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm usually in bed at, you know, nine o'clock, nine 30. And, like, ah, oh, just stay a little bit longer, have another beer, stay a little bit longer, have another beer. And it was like four o'clock in the morning. And he's like, I got to go. I'm going to be up in an hour and a half. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to be up in an hour and a half? You, you don't have anything to do tomorrow. He goes, I wake up in the sun every morning. Yeah. And that's I'm, just the I'm the same is. way. I, 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 I can't sleep in. Wow. I, but, but, but Josh, you don't have to do two hours of, of meditation. Yeah. But. The best time to to reset your circadian rhythm because the the human circadian rhythm 
it's about 24 hours and 15 minutes mm-hmm. on average. So to really stay in sync, you need to reset it every day. And the best time to reset it is at sunrise. Because you you said this before, that you have your body has all these photoreceptors. Yeah. You have the highest concentration in, in your eyes. You have something like 130 million photoreceptors in your eyes. You have them on your skin, too. So when you watch the sunrise, you have photoreceptors that detect frequencies of red light, uh, yellows and and oranges, green light, blue light, UV light. There's no UV light at at sunrise. But when when the sun rises, and you don't even have to actually see the sun. Something else you mentioned earlier is is the double slit experiment. Right. Those photons from the sun, they're going to find their way to your eye. Doesn't matter if there's a tree, if there's a building. It's ideal to watch the sunrise. Where I used to live, I used to be able to see the sunrise every morning. Now where I live, there's trees. So I'd have to like get in my car and, and drive somewhere or, or walk like a mile to see the sunrise. And it's it's just not realistic for me at this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm looking out in the direction every day. And for your, your mitochondria to work well, your circadian rhythm needs to be intact. Remember, that's the foundation for your health, the health of your mitochondria. And when your circadian rhythm is out of sync with nature, your mitochondria aren't going to function the way they should. Your body's going to make less energy. Right. Body makes less energy. What's going on in California when they have the rolling brownouts? No, they get an energy crisis. People can't charge their Teslas, can't use the AC. You have to make choices about where you're going to use your energy. Hmm, good analogy. I like that. And the <laughs> same the same thing happens with your body. When your body has an energy deficit, it needs to choose where are we going to use this energy. Your body's always going to choose to keep you alive. But building muscle, that might not be a top priority. Having a tip top immune system, that might might not be a top priority. Hmm. And that's kind of a red pill. I mean, I've had these conversations before and I've been hit with this before, but it starts to make a lot of sense when we start looking at energy allocation in the sense of how the mitochondria and their optimization, and their proficiency is that if your mitochondria are optimized, your body is going to work to the full strength of what you should be. I mean, your complete genetic expression, it's going to happen. But if you have a, uh, you know, a 30% or a 20% decline mitochondrial uh, deficiency, then you're, you're going to lack that energy distribution to certain functionality within your own body. So you might have, you know, 10% depleted immune system. You might, uh, your body's going to keep you alive, but you're not producing the, 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 the fully optimized cells that your body exchanges every seven days instead of coming out there with those 100% cells that are completely efficient. Now you're only producing 50% models because your mitochondria aren't fully uh, uh, fully at their highest level of, of, of output. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a function of circadian rhythm too. Hmm. So cir- circadian rhythm, that controls growth, which is what you were just talking about, the regeneration of cells. All of our cells are regenerating. They regenerate at different different rates. But our, our cells are always regenerating. And if you don't have an intact circadian rhythm, that regeneration isn't going to happen the way it should. When you don't regenerate, you degenerate. Mm. You speed up aging. 
It controls metabolism, converting food to energy. So when you have a disrupted circadian rhythm, you're going to have poor metabolism, which means you store energy. What's stored energy? Fat. Fat. Controls your hormones. When your hormones are out of balance, what happens when you have low T? We talked about that. What happens when when women have low progesterone? What happens when their thyroid hormone, or males too, what happens when our thyroid hormone gets out of whack? What happens when your neurotransmitters get out of whack? Your dopamine, your serotonin, your melatonin, which is a hormone and a transmit, neurotransmitter. See, all these things are controlled by light. Your body, every single cell in your body has 100,000 biochemical reactions that happen every second. Hmm. And your body, when everything's working, all those things are synchronized in the trillions of cells in your body. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? It is. It is. It's kind of profound, actually. It's, it's all controlled by light. And actually, in the 70s, this guy Fritz Pop. He discovered this, and he discovered that our, our cells emit light at a frequency of 380 nanometers, which is UVA light. And what he discovered is that the body uses this to regenerate cells. Hmm. Carcinogens, when they get in the body, they change the wavelength of this light, and it prevents the regeneration interesting and he discovered that all life emits these biophotons the more complex we are the less light we emit when we're healthy when you're healthy you emit a low amount of light that's how the body communicates can do everything simultaneously when you're sick your cells become leaky you lose light and they have these things called photomultipliers that can measure this so is this similar to like the aura the what like the aura oh the aura i am you know it's a good question i i, I don't know well it's, I'm, it's sure, also, I'm sure it's connected yeah. but i don't i don't think he was using his photo multiplier to to measure the the aura at least not that i've read but i could be wrong it, it, it's also interesting too because they're they're for countless millennia, there's been talk about um, an inherent similar bioelectric energy field in the body. Um, this is talked about in Chinese medicine with the meridians, acupuncture, oh, yeah. uh, you know, kundalini, chi, whatever you want to call it. Um, in the later 1900s, before, well, so with uh, people like Dr. Wilhelm Reich, he called it orgone energy. And then later on, they actually discovered it and called it bioplasmas. And this was an emission of light from the body um, that actually was contained within a certain type of, uh, uh, they called it a cell, but I, I believe that it operates more probably on a quantum level. But it, it's, it's fascinating to hear about these photo, photo cells, photoreceptor cells that we have in our body that, um, that emit light as well as absorb it. We had... Um, Dr. Dean Radin on the show. He was he was even talking about this. And we had another guy, another PhD. Uh, he was an electrical engineer. He was talking about how uh, I think he worked for Raytheon at the time. And they had actually done experiments on the photons that were being projected out of the eyes and measured 
the photons that were projected out of the eyes. Yeah, yeah. And did they did they talk about the frequency of light of the photons that no. come out of our eyes? It's in the UV range. Huh. So UV makes some very interesting molecules in the body. Makes dopamine. Mm. Makes serotonin. Which you need for drive, motivation, feel good. Yeah. Think well. So that's the powerful powerful thing about making eye contact with somebody. When you make eye contact with some way, somebody, that. not in a creepy way, not when you're like ogling somebody, but when you make eye contact with somebody and you give them a nice smile, you're giving them some of your light, which is giving them a little boost of dopamine and serotonin. Wow. Th that's it's pretty phenomenal too, because now if you put into the aspect of uh, neuro-linguistic programming in there, right, utilizing the the manipulation of your your tone of your voice, right, the acoustic waves that are coming out that are turning into compression waves that are producing electrical signals within your your eardrum, right, and then you also have this intentional energy that is being derived from the light from your eyes that is going out there towards people. Um, that has a major impact on people. Now, the question then becomes is, how does that occur through things like Zoom or through long distance? Is it quantumly entangled? Does it work, you know, beyond that uh, scary, spooky at a distance? Well, sound is an electromechanical wave. Mm -hmm. So sounds being transmitted, whether it's Zoom or, or a phone or, or whatever, that gets converted into energy in your body. Energy makes things. Mm -hmm. So when the voice is pleasing, when when you hear the voice of a good friend, of a family member, of, of grandma, that makes dopamine. That makes you feel good. We also have people that we can't stand, which actually destroy our, our dopamine. Interesting. They're they're energy vampires, right? They yeah. suck the other living life right out of you. Those people you want to spend as little time with as possible. We all have those people in our lives. Um, sometimes they're a relative and we have to see them on the holidays or whatever. But um, you want to cut those people from your lives as, as best you can. And you want to get intentional about spending time with people that lift you up and hmm. give you that, that hit of dopamine. Interesting. You know, it, it's interesting, too, because every time that, like, we talk or, you know, I have someone else on the show, I always learn something new or, as Max Egan would say, that was my last guest that I had on, is uh, you, you don't learn anything new. You're always just remembering what you already knew. Um, but, I mean, that that's just a profound realization is that we we communicate beyond communication beyond the known levels of communication. It's something I actually talk about a lot in this, in the sense of uh, like a lot of the spiritual teachings that we'll talk about, the occult and the esoteric. Um, but I never really kind of connected it to the, the photonic expression energy that is coming from the eyes or the skin that is being emitted from the body that's actually carrying those signals. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and then the, the heart emits a magnetic field mm -hmm. that extends up to 12 feet. What makes that magnetic field? Mitochondria. Right. And so speaking of entanglement, 
you know, I was just I was looking into that that Nobel Prize a little bit. Yeah. And they had, you know, the the one thing that really kind of struck me was they had there was a, an image of two different sets of electrons. These two electrons were entangled. These two were entangled. And then they had these ones entangle, which automatically entangled these ones. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. So we've met in person. Yeah. And when you meet people, you entangle electrons. Yep. And that's that's the power of, you know, Zoom is a huge step up from when we were kids and we just had our telephones. Um, but nothing beats meeting somebody in person. It's a whole different exchange of, of energy. And it's a very different experience. 100% agreed. And yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny too, because if you asked a quantum physicist, they would tell you that, oh, you're crazy. This is just happening on a quantum level. And no, no, no. This this the same pattern repeats that what happens on the quantum happens on the molecular happens on the macro has happens on the cosmological and that, you know, we as people, we we entangle with each other, especially when we meet is that there's is there's that energy. I, I always viewed it as uh, like uh, streams of energy that move through time and that. We over with people we interact with, those streams of energy start to overlap each other. And then they go separate ways, but they're 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 connected at that part and point in time. And that 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 is a memory, right? And you can kind of you you can regress back to that point and remember that specific aspect because there's strong emotions that were happened at that point or time. And and this is just the kind of the way that I've conceptualized the, the quantum view of, of human interaction. But you're absolutely right that it is uh, there is this aspect of entanglement within human beings as well. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool stuff. God, man, you know, and with everything that's happening in the world, I think it's really, really important that this conversation be had and that people really do pay attention to what's being said here, because I know that a lot of people out there are are going through a lot of the similar things that we're talking about here that, you know, it seems difficult. It, it seems like, you know, you're just always in a continual state of despair. It doesn't seem like there's ever going to be, you know, any any hope that's going to come that we're not going to win this war or whatever it might be. And, you know, the one thing that always got me is that these these globalists, these elitists or whoever we want to call them that are perpetuating this on the world right now, they've been at this for a thousand years. In the last 200 probably years, probably longer, right? Yeah, probably longer. In the last 200 years, they've had multiple attempts at exactly what they're doing right now. And they failed. So when I look at what's happening right now, I don't have much faith in them. I don't have much faith in their follow through with action because usually what happens is they make some moves and it, it comes to an eventuality of compromise that they acquiesce their power, they pull back. They get a little bit of what they want, a little bit more implementation of what they want, but they have to acquiesce because the people stomped them down or something happened, someone stopped them or whatever it might be. And so that's the little hope that I have and that I carry with me. If they are successful, that they're not going to get what they want. They're not going to have the world that they envision. And the reason is, is because the world is too awakened right now to allow that to happen. On the other side of the house is the world needs to take this perspective 
of, of getting back to their optimal and optimized self. They need to start looking into the sense of changing their mindset away from, oh, doom and gloom and war and civil war and nuclear war and all this stuff and stop listening to the mainstream media and start moving back towards this idea of, of harmony, of balance, of, of love, of gratitude, of, of peace and, and start reconnecting with nature. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. And, and just the, the one thing I would add is really kind of rebuilding that sense of community. And in some places, it, it's going to be a lot easier than others. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting where I live. It's a very progressive town. And there are some people that um, kind of based on like my first assumption of them on what I know about them, for example, one of my during COVID, one of my son's friends, his parents asked that if the son came over for a play date, we all wore a mask. Hmm. And I refused to. Yeah. Um, so that so the deal was I would stay in my office the whole time the kid was was visiting. Oh god. So that the parent drops the kid off, he's got a mask on. I was looking out the window when he dropped him off. The dad had a mask on in the car. I'm just thinking, like, what a freaking loser this person is. Turns out our, our sons play soccer together, and I've gotten to know the guy, and he's a great guy. I made that judgment based on him, and he's a, he's a super nice person. I think in his mind, and a lot of people that, that do this, I think in their mind, they, they really just want to do the best thing for other people. I think for a lot of people that get trapped in this, it comes from a good place in the heart. But once I actually sat down and have had a conversation with this guy, I think he's a great guy. And I could, you know, he's someone I could see myself being friends with. Probably as, as long as we don't talk politics. <laughs> it, it hasn't gone there yet. But but that's happened to me on a number of occasions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, th this is something for me. It's, it's being less judgmental. And it's giving myself a chance to get to know people before I make these judgments that they're this or that because I see them wearing a mask alone in their car. I agree. You know, I, 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 I'm that way too. I'll drive down the road and I'll see that dude like yesterday wearing the mask in his car, windows all rolled up, hands at 10 and 2, and I'm like, you fucking loser, right? <laughs> and it's like, like, how brain dead are you, right? Like, Seriously, like, come on, man. You're in your own vehicle. You got filters at work. Don't worry about COVID, right? But here's the thing is you don't know what these people have gone through. You don't know what their life has been like. Maybe maybe they, they have autoimmune problems within their family. Maybe they lost their mother, their father, their brother, the COVID. And it's just instilled in them this massive aspect of fear. And they don't care what the naysayers say that... The, the doctors and the health professionals are saying, wear a mask, it'll protect you. And they're so scared that that's how they just move. And, you know, that's sad in a sense, but it doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make yeah. them a loser. I, I mean, I, I think that's beautiful how you put it, because when it comes down to it, they're really afraid. Yeah. And they're stuck in this fear state, which if you really think about it, like I feel really bad for those people. Even though to this day, when I see someone alone in the car with a mask on, I just think fucking loser. But, <laughs> yeah. but then I take a step back 
and I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm trying trying to be more patient. But that being said, there are some people, they will always be lost no matter what. And we need to make room. We need, need to make space for those that share similar values, even though on the surface it may not seem that way. Mm-hmm. But they're they're loving people to their to their families. They want to support their community. Maybe they, you know, believe in things like sharing their pronouns and stuff, but maybe they do a lot of other things that kind of outweigh that, right? I I don't know. Like, I'm still kind of, I'm working my way through these things. I spent a lot of time kind of thinking and asking myself, how do we get from where we are to a better place? Agreed. And it's got to start with better communication. My dog's scratching on the door. No worries. And and he's right. We need to start with better communication. And that's the key objective is to find better ways to communicate. And that typically when we, we go out there and we find people that are contrary to our kind of way of life, when we, you know, someone. I want to say hi. Oh, sweet. You know, someone drives down the street and they got a Joe Biden sticker and a coexist district sticker or LGBTQ or, you know, an equal sticker. We're, we're very, very fast to make judgment. But in actuality is we don't know those people and we haven't even taken the time to get to know them. Maybe maybe a, a, a compassionate talk with someone like you could bring about changes in that person's life. That, that they could see things completely differently and maybe even change them or or the opposite. That's that's the thing. You, you never know how you're going to influence somebody's life. Mm-hmm. The book you sent me, Journey of Souls, there, there was a bit in there about in, in Journey of Souls, if you haven't read it, definitely read it. It's very interesting. But, but one of the things that happens, according to this book, and many people share very similar experiences, is when you go up to heaven, they play like a highlight reel of your life and just knowing that has really changed my perspective it's like when i get to the end like what do i want on my highlight reel Mm. it's because it's the very best of what you've done it's also the very worst of what you've done but on one person's highlight reel they were a very successful person and they took time out of their day one day to talk to i think it was during the great depression and they spoke just went up to a stranger and kind of gave them a pep talk. And that stranger was, was going to kill themselves. Mm. And after that pep talk, they pushed on and, and they, and they made it through. So you never know how you can impact somebody's life. And if you are going to impact somebody's life, make sure it's in a positive way, not in a negative way. I I agree wholeheartedly like with that. And that's one thing with me is that, you know, social media, I think this is one of the reasons why our society has been entrained in this, uh, this way. One of the things that you see is, uh, um, I don't know if you saw the bus going through New York or Washington, D.C., I think it was. And you had the, the teenagers, the old lady gave up her seat to a pregnant mother and she was standing by the door. And she was by about six or seven teenagers and they were cussing. And she says, hey, can you guys please stop cussing? This is like a 65-year-old woman. 
And they started yelling at her, throwing stuff at her. And they're yelling for the bus driver to open the door. The bus driver finally pulls over and they start pushing her out of the bus. And she's like holding on for dear life. And they eventually like kick her and punch her and threw her out into the street. Like this is teenagers. And I think it's this kind of disconnection that comes about through social media. It's interacting with people without consequence on social media that draws this type of behavior in public with people you seemingly don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a good point. And when you really look into social media and you understand, they have engineers that understand dopamine very well. They understand human psychology very well. They engineer this stuff to get people addicted to it. They, It's social engineering. Yeah. They design it to create conflict. And if you ask me, I mean, these people are truly evil that design this stuff. And you're right. These these people get kind of sucked into to that matrix. And if if you think about the frequency of light that's coming from that device, it's a very narrow band in the frequency of light. Yeah. And just back to light, real quick. Sure. You know, every frequency of light is kind of kind of like a nutrient. Like different frequencies of light do different things in the body. And blue light has a role, but every time you get blue light in nature, it's balanced with other frequencies of light from the sun. Blue light causes inflammation, but when you get it from the sun, 42% of sunlight is infrared light, which is anti-inflammatory. I've got my red light panel on right now. Mm -hmm. So that inflammation you get from blue light or from UV light from the sun, it's always counterbalanced with red light. Whereas the the main frequency of light that that we're getting today, it's that blue light. And an analogy I like to share with people, it's kind of like an apple is a healthy thing, right? The whole, but if right. you extract the sugar from that apple and you just have that sugar, is that still a healthy thing? Nope. And that's kind of like blue light. Blue blue light it, it increases our, our energy, but it's kind of like on its own. Blue light is kind of like the sugar mm. from a fruit, where the whole fruit is good, but if you just extract that sugar, it's a very different thing, and it's it's changing our our neurotransmitters it has a huge impact on dopamine blue now, light degrades dopamine now we always talk about red and blue light now what about the other frequencies of light and what effects do they have in the body well uv is one of mm-hmm. the most demonized frequencies of light but also the, the most important frequencies of light actually i have a lamp behind my laptop that's a, a uva bulb okay so I, I mentioned before that that UVA light, you know, when we make eye contact with someone, we can increase their dopamine and serotonin. Hmm. So so UVA light is very important for that. It makes melatonin, which is the body's most important antioxidant. Melatonin is anti-cancer, anti-tumor. It regenerates our photoreceptors in our eyes. So it's very important for for vision. But um, U, UV light is is super important. The, the other frequencies of light, like the other f- colors of the rainbow, we we know less about. Hmm. But we do know that all these different frequencies do different things in the body. Hmm. So again, the sun has the full range of frequencies of light. Indoor lighting has a small piece of that range of, of frequencies. 
interesting. It's it's completely fascinating. Um, and now you're going to have me. So I'm, I'm on this kick right now of researching lawful money. And I'm going to probably do a series on it. I'm sorry, researching what money? Something called lawful money. Oh, lawful money. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm going to probably do a series on it, write a few blog articles on it. Um, but now I'm going to be researching this as well because this is like I got I got notebooks here probably from a decade and a half ago on all the research, you know, the Rife machines, frequency, light, all this stuff. Because, you know, firstly, when anybody, when everybody hears electromagnetic energy, understand that that's light. Whenever you hear, you know, Rife machines and frequencies, that, that's light. Light is electromagnetic energy, right? They're, they're interchangeable. And so when we start looking at this in the sense that, you know, you can heal your body with light. Well, this is what we're talking about here is that when you are are reconnecting with nature, it's providing that abundance of all these natural lights that your body needs to rebalance itself and survive. Yeah. Man, awesome stuff. Guys, you can find Nathan at journeytooptimalhealth.com. That's right there uh, on the screen if you're looking at it, journeytooptimalhealth.com. Um, Nathan, do you have any other websites out there? No, that's the main one. On my website, though, I have, there's a, a video, I think it's called Fix, Let's Fix Your Mitochondria, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's it's about a 45-minute video where I walk through just one slide. I talk about all these specific things you can do that are going to help your mitochondria make more energy. So your body has more energy, so it's, you feel more energetic. Your body can heal, repair itself. And uh, they're all very simple things. It's a video. I, I recommend you, you watch it several times and just take one or two things away from it each time. Implement those in your life. Make them a, a, a permanent lifestyle. And then add additional things as you get as you get used to those things. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you staying up late with us tonight. Uh, yeah, hey, it's you know, always a great time chatting with you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, before we go, guys, we're going to go to Fringe After Dark in 30 minutes from now. It's not on YouTube since we are suspended from YouTube. So uh, just go to socialredpill.com. The Zoom link will be shared with everybody on the platform. Uh, so if you are interested in joining Fringe After Dark conversation, just go ahead and join up there or just wait there. And the link will be sent out here in just a little bit. And everybody is free to join on the socialredpill.com. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much, guys. You can find him at Journey to Optimal Health. Uh, dot com that link is in all the chats as well as linked up and uh i hope you guys all have a fantastic evening and we'll see you again next time have a good guys good night good night